Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones, and you are listening to Hardcore Church Planning. want to thank you uh, for joining us, especially because our guest today is no stranger at all to the missional uh, movement or church planning in general, and this is Jeff Vanderstel. And we've interviewed Jeff before. He is the author of Saturate and Gospel Fluency, and of course, the founder of Soma Community. So, Jeff, welcome on. Thank you very much. It's good to be here, Peyton. All right. Well, you know, I have yet to find a person in the world that does not like Jeff Vanderstelt. Like you find, you know, it's funny in the church, you always find people bad-mouthing people, which is always bad. But I have yet to hear anybody go, that Jeff Vanderstelt guy, I don't like him. There's just <laughs> something about the way that you portray um just the heart of Jesus, man, for your community that I think everybody connects with. And uh, sorry to start off right away just telling you nice things about yourself. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on you later, I guess, to make up. <laughs> well, that's for encouraging it. anyway. Thank, thank you, Jesus, if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe if I go up to Tacoma, though, and talk to people, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy. So, you know, just talk to, just talk to my missional community. They might give you some <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Last time I interviewed you, sorry, there's my train. Um, o- only professionalism on hardcore church planning. That was a loud one. So, uh, that's the, that's the northbound. That's how you know. If he, if he honks right by me, he's going north. So he's heading up towards you, buddy. I but, love it. Uh, here, here's the deal. You know, last time I talked to you, your missional community, uh, you and your wife were meeting, I think it was exclusively uh, people that weren't saved, you know, as people that were outside of the faith. And I was super taken by that and inspired by that because that, you know, in, in a weird way was how I got into church planning was something very similar in a Starbucks with all unchurched people. So, um, how's that going these days? 
Well, I'm in a different place now. Uh, we transitioned uh, from Tacoma now to Bellevue, Bellevue Redmond area. So we started all over again. <laughs> so uh, I've got a mixture of people that we discipled over the years that moved and joined us along with some uh, new Christians that some of them have just come to faith and then people that have not yet come to faith that we're reaching out to. So, so it's a kind of a mixture of all three groups now, which usually happens as you do this long enough as you, you have people that you led to the Lord or that you discipled along the way and they, you know, want to continue to join you in that. And so some of them even moved with us to join us in this new work up in Bellevue Redmond area. So mm, that's rad, man. I think, uh, that whole, uh, that whole uh, sentiment of starting over is uh, that is that is so common to apostolic types, um, church plant, serial church planters, ninjas, whatever you want to call them. But I always <laughs> relate. There's a, a a song. I hope Jeff, you're a Foo Fighters fan. I just hope we've gotten that established right away. I'm there. Yeah. Okay. Good. So we're we're speaking the same love language here. We're speaking Foo, and uh, he's got that one song called Walk, and he says, "Getting good at starting over." Every time that I return and I, 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 I just, you, you say that and I think, man, that's, that's it. Getting good at starting over because we're on a mission. You know, it's not that mm. tell us a little bit about, um, the call that you had from Soma Tacoma, uh, to Doxa. Yeah. I, I received a call actually just before the news went public that Mars Hill was going to dissolve as a church and that each one of the local campuses would become their own church. And, uh, I was asked if I would consider coming to the place where Mark Driscoll preached live, which was in Bellevue and, uh, restarting a church, replanting a church. And, uh, of course my first reaction was not a lot of excitement about that idea, uh, though earlier that day, God had brought me back to Romans 15, which has been a call passage for my wife and I several times throughout the years of ministry together, uh, where it says those who are strong ought to bear up with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves, but uh, to please Christ, just as he himself did the same. And so uh, I, when I read it earlier in the morning and it just kind of jumped out at me, I, the first question was, Lord, what's coming? And so when the call came, it was not really all that surprising, uh, yet I wasn't very attractive, to be honest. And uh, we entered into a process of fasting and praying. I submitted to all of our elders in Soma, asked them to do the same, and said, I will not consider this unless you 100% believe I'm supposed to, uh, which they then took that very serious and said, if Jeff's going to submit to us in that to that degree, then we have to submit to the Spirit to be willing to open our hands up and say, Lord, whatever you want. Uh, the short version of the story is that God led all of us to be united, uh, that I was supposed to go. That got submitted to about 70 other leaders in our church for a night of prayer and and kind of questions. And they all together also affirmed. And then we brought it to the whole church and the church affirmed with a repentance that came with it, which is really interesting because of the, some of the hurt that they had experienced and maybe even gossip and slander they had engaged in that they, many people stood up one after another and said, you know, we believe you're supposed to go and we need to ask God to forgive us for hearts that have not been loving or gracious towards our brothers and sisters at Mars Hill. And it was a remarkable move, I believe, of the spirit. Uh, and it just it led to us uh, moving our family 
uh, north, about 45 miles, so it wasn't too far. It was pretty gracious of the Lord to do that to my wife and kids because I'm. we were looking at L.A. and New York. We were looking at all kinds of places, and to stay close to her family, which is in Seattle, and, and Tacoma was a nice thing. So, yeah, we've been here for – it'll be three years this coming January, but it was three years this month that I received the call. Mm. Wow. My goodness. That's crazy, man. That That has flown by, eh? Yeah, it really has. Wow. It's been, it's been great. I mean, I've, I've had some people meet me, you know, a year or two into it and they'd say, how are you doing, man? We're praying for you. Some people even said like, this is like ministerial suicide. And I'm like, no, <laughs> when the Lord calls you, he, he has in store work to be done and he, he gets to determine what we do. And so it's been a joy, honestly, the people are yeah. amazing. They love the word. They love Jesus. They want to make disciples. They want to be on mission. That, that's the beautiful thing that I found is that there was a, a, a great deal of re- receptivity. I think the majority were eager to follow my leadership, and God granted me a great deal of favor. Of course, not everybody was, but that's, that's any work we ever do. Uh, so, we, you know, that's part, part of the deal. Um, but uh, it's great because we're transitioning a church that – Large, and I mean, it really is a, a new plant. I, we, you know, did everything you do in a plant. You know, I just had a, a huge core group, <laughs> so yeah. that was the difference. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they they are doing well. They're moving forward. Uh, it's a great joy. It's a, you know, it's I'm learning a ton transitioning a church from primarily a Sunday focused event yeah. to a, to an everyday mission and. Um, and we're still, you know, in the process. I told them it would take at least three to five years. I think we're going to be looking at it. it's going to take at least five years, uh, but we're on the way. You know, it really is encouraging. So. I think, man, that you know what you're going through up there. First off, I love that kind of what a lot of churches are asking. You know, and let, let's be honest, like you know, tons of churches are asking, like, how do we transition? Like when I wrote Church Zero. I, I got a lot of churches going, okay, cool. It was an apologetic. Now tell us how to do team leadership <laughs> or, you know, like you're actually modeling. And so I, I don't know if it'll be a future book or what it'll be, but man, I just think people need to study because you're Jeff stinking Vanderstout. You are Mr. Missional community taking this. I know that you didn't change your values. So I think <laughs> it's going to be really incredible to watch what comes out of this. Um, I, I think this is going to be almost like pioneering um, for uh, a, a way for others to follow in future, and um, and I'm excited. And we we talked before the the broadcast about you know the fact that we we serve a savior who tells people close to him one day people will will, will <laughs> bind mm-hmm. you and lead you places you don't want to go, and yeah. and that's just part of being a servant. That's part of being a minister. I'm sure you didn't wake up one morning and go, hey, you know what? You know what I could use in my life? Leading a mega church. And <laughs> to me, it's just a, a real, um, everything was going well for you. It's not like you needed this, you know, that Soma was just, you know, I'm, I'm down in San Diego. You know, I know some of your peeps down here. You know, it's, it's, uh, things were, were, were expanding and going well. And ironically, those are the times that God often calls us out, but you mm. have a new book and I want to talk about that today. Um, you know, I, I was on a, a a phone call this morning, and somebody mentioned you know Saturate um, as kind of an organization that uh, every person, every place. I'm like, man, if I had, if I known that term <laughs> before I wrote my last book, 
I would have credited you, but I for sure would have stolen it and credited you. Um, but that is so great. But tell us a little bit about gospel fluency, what it is, why it's important. Yeah, the, the idea of gospel fluency is similar to fluency in a language where, you know, if you've ever learned a language, you move from learning vocab and grammar and sentence structure and even culture and how language is shaped by culture. And you get to a place where you don't you don't mechanically think through all those things when you're talking. It just flows out of you. It's, you know, it's like Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when you become fluent in a language, you dream in it, you interpret the world through it, you 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 speak without even doing the translation inside of your head. It just comes out. And the the idea with gospel fluency is that the gospel is the the word that was spoken and and the person of Jesus Christ who is the word whereby we we were born again. And so it is it should be above all languages our mother tongue. It's what gave us birth. It's what we should be we should be immersed in a gospel speaking culture. Just like you, if you were born into another country, you're born into that culture speaking that language. The church is meant to be a gospel-fluent people. So when someone comes to faith in Jesus, it was through the gospel, but then they continue to grow up in the gospel. And Ephesians 4.15 says that uh, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all every way into Christ who is our head. And in verse 21, he describes the truth. He says, the truth is in Jesus. And so the idea is, how do we learn how to speak the truth of Jesus into the everyday stuff of life so that we can grow people up in every way into Christ? That every aspect of life needs to be addressed with the truths of Jesus so that we become fully like Jesus because of his word, the gospel being spoken into it. So it's just helping people to be so fluent that it's it's what we give people for all of life. And if we can do that within the church, then our, the mission of the church all of a sudden gets strong because not only are we growing up in the gospel, but we're fluent enough to speak it to those who don't know Jesus. And I find most Christians don't have a clue how to talk about Jesus in ways that aren't just canned or packaged or kind of, you know, forced instead of it being out of the old floor of the heart. That's just a normative way of speaking. And so that's really the intent of the book is how, do, what is the gospel? Do I believe it? Has it changed me? Is it out of the overflow of my heart that I'm speaking it? What does it look like to create a, an immersion culture in which we saturate ourselves with the gospel together so that together we all can grow up to become gospel fluent people wherever we're at? Right. Right. So what was kind of the, I mean, I, you know, I, I've listened to so many of the SOMA training, the SOMA, you know, uh, I guess you guys would have like, you know, days where you would get everyone on page, share the vision, the DNA. So I used to listen to your podcasts and, you know, so I, I feel in many ways like, you know, I, I've kind of taken a lot in of what you guys are saying, but usually behind a book, there's a story. Um, you know, there, there, was there a time at which you kind of said, you know, um, people really don't get this or I'm really hmm. seeing a need and there's, there's, there's not really much on this or what, what made you want to write this book? Well, you know, behind every story is usually a, a personal transformation as well. Right. And so it, I'd have to go back to a very, very difficult time. Uh, while I was a, a leader at Willow Creek, I led the student ministries there and I went through a crisis, significant crisis. And, it, you know, I, I, I will point at me for the crisis, not, not Willow Creek in that, uh, I had, 
I had not understood how the gospel can set me free from the approval of man. Mm. And I found myself in a place where I, I just was stuck. I just, I couldn't make everybody happy. And thankfully I, I, you know, Willow did help us by providing um, a stipend for counseling. Um, and I was in a, in a, with a gospel centered counselor and he just walked me through how the gospel can set me free from the fear of man. And mm-hmm. I remember it was like the scales fell off my eyes. You know, it was like I saw something I never saw before, which was my own idolatry and uh, my desperate need for Jesus, not just for my initial conversion, but my ongoing sanctification. And it, it I experienced a radical uh, freedom I'd never experienced before. And of course, that you know jettisoned me into asking that question of many other things in my life. Where am I not seeing truth? Where am I not looking to Jesus? Where am I not being set free by the gospel? And so I think there's that story behind then planting Soma. And when we started Soma, I just wanted to make sure everybody really understood the, the massive work God is doing and has done in Christ for all of life. So I think that was already there in the DNA when I started. And then of course I you know I got exposure to Keller through the years and watched how he did it so well in his preaching. But then I thought to myself, well I don't want to have to have everybody be brought to me because I'm really good at preaching gospel. I want to figure out how to help them do the very same things that I watched him do and others do. So I just set myself to figure out what is it that I do? Because I, I was pretty good at preaching gospel in every text and applying the gospel. I'm, I'm also an evangelist. I've got this apostle evangelist mix. And so I, I didn't have a hard time having conversations with nonbelievers. And I kept thinking, how do you translate that? How do I reproduce that? How do I make this transferable? And that, that to me has been a principle I've fought for in everything I do, which is how can I take what I do in almost intuitive ways and spell it out for someone else who may not do it as intuitively. And I think that's the job of equippers is that we have to figure that out. So as I wrestled with that and figured I got to make this accessible for normal people, which has been kind of the drum I beat all the time. If, if a normal everyday person can't get this and reproduce this, then we, we've got to do some work. Because if the only people doing this are quote unquote professional church leaders or seminarians or whatever, then it's not going to go anywhere. So so that that's what led to, I think, eventually putting it into training. And then as I did the training, I started getting asked to speak it all over the place, spoken and uh, did a, like a six hour training that was captured on video at Austin Stone many years ago. And Justin Taylor was there or got somehow got a hold of it and started sending it out everywhere and saying, you guys got to watch this. It's going to help you. And then he came after me and said, we need you to put this into a book. So that's kind of how it all came about. And that's how I got published with Crossway, because that's where Justin is at. That's rad, man. That, that, uh, that, uh, what do you call it? Um, that video, I mean, you know, we, we talked in our first interview, I mean, it's touching. I, I don't think you can watch that video with a dry eye. And that's, that's kind of, again, going back to what I had said in the beginning was, you know, your heart for the community. And I know you, Jeff, well enough to know that you would put that down to the gospel. You know, you would say that, the gospel transform me first. In fact, your book is really, um, you know, it starts off the, the parts of it. I'll just kind of share the breakdown for our audience. First one, it, it gospel fluency. You know, what is it? Let's talk about it. Then number two, the gospel, really making sure you understand the gospel. Number two, make, or number three is the gospel and me, making sure that you appreciate the gospel and are letting the gospel transform you on a daily basis, like your story right there. 
And then lastly, uh, the gospel with us, which is the gospel in community. And then lastly, the gospel to others, evangelism. So looking at that, I mean, really, uh, if you want to understand Jeff Vanderstel, you watch that video, you see a guy whose heart is broken over his community. You know, Jeff's going to point you back to the gospel. And that's at the heart of this book. Um, Jeff, what, what has been, um, some of the, the real roadblocks to people in the gospel? You mentioned idolatry. You mentioned, um, you know, some of the, the, the pitfalls that we hit as, as ministers, but, what are some of the, the the real roadblocks to gospel fluency? There's so many. I, I think one of them is there's a spiritual battle going on that we need to take seriously, and and so uh, the evil one's going to continue. Not just the evil one, the world, the flesh, all of it, you know, is going to continue to undermine the truths of Jesus in our lives. Going to cause to question: Is it really the power of God for salvation? Is it really sufficient? Um, yeah, so I think I think there's a real spiritual battle, and I think especially when we are about to talk about Jesus in any situation, we most Christians that I talk to experience fear, a sense of inadequacy, accusations that they have no business talking about this because look at their life, and that's just that's just attack. And so I think one of it is we got to acknowledge there's a spiritual battle going on, and we've got to be alert to it, uh, and and be aware, and and even engage in how you know biblical. Biblically, how we're called to stand against it. But I think the second thing I'd say is that um, too many people have have seen uh, the good news of the gospel as only the starting point of their spirituality. And then they've added moralism and legalism and a whole bunch of other stuff to it. And so, unfortunately, their confidence as they've been in the church longer is less in the gospel and more in programs, systems, uh, spiritual disciplines, I mean, all the practices of the, of Christianity, which are not evil in and of themselves, but when they become a substitute, then we're in trouble. And so I've seen a lot of people, uh, like hand over to other people something other than the gospel, which is, you know, read your Bible, pray, go to church, give, and which are all great things, but they should be a means to get to the end, which is to get them to Jesus, to reveal their great need for Jesus. Um, and so I, I think that's the second, is that we tend to exchange the truths of the gospel with something that's very good but not great, and uh, we replace Jesus with other things. So I think that's a tendency in the church. I think the third thing is that most people, if they're honest, are not cultivating a, a vibrant, passionate walk with Jesus. Uh, uh, it's a doctrine they affirm, but not a person that they love. And and I know for me, man, I talk about what I love, and when I cultivate my love for Christ, and I'm growing in a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit, then, man, I can't help talking about him. So I, I think that's a part of it. It's like we have to just say, wait, wait a minute. Do I even know this Savior? Or do I love him? Do I understand what he's done for me? I mean, yesterday, again, uh, one of our other guys was teaching, and I got to sit back and listen. And I mean, my eyes are just filled with tears thinking about, who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And man, I, I sing songs and I can't help but be overwhelmed with gratitude. And so I just think we should check our hearts. I, I think most of us need a heart check and say, All right, is it even alive to how great Jesus is? So those would be the three big ones, I think. The, the spiritual attack, the exchanging of the gospel is something lesser uh, for our sanctification. And then I think just our hearts, our hearts grow cold. And so we don't we talk about what we love. And unfortunately, for most of us, that's probably sports and and gadgets and a bunch of other things that are worthless in comparison to Christ. Right. 
Right. And so it comes back to a heart issue. And, and you know, it's interesting that so much of, of what we talk about, you know, the emails that bombard us, the, the, the conferences, the promises, you know, that we get through books, it never really has to do with our heart. It's like everything else. No, it wasn't me, Lord. It was, it was this woman you put with me. It was a snake in the garden. Yeah. It was, it was that. That was, yeah, that's the ticket. This is not me. And, um, and, 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 and I love that. You go after that, you know, coming coming from a reform background, you know, having been at the doctor's church as the evangelist years and years ago. I mean, you, one, one thing the doctor will always do is always bring it back to your heart, mm-hmm. you know, and, and your passion for Jesus. And that that's just good, solid gospel. How does mm-hmm. Jeff Vanderstelt cultivate uh, a, a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis? What's that look like for you? Yeah, well, it's 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 both introspective in terms of time alone, solitude, silence, prayer, word, you know, the basic disciplines. And I, I have to I try to put into place a regular whole day of solitude and silence so that I can I can let the true doctor, you know, the great physician uh, do examine my heart and and do work on me and, um, you know, help me to mourn and grieve, help me to celebrate and praise all those things that I think are key to cultivation of our relationship with him. So I think there's that part of it. And then I've, I've found that if I'm not in community with people who can tell me the truth about what they see or can ask me questions about what's going on. And even, you know, my wife is one of the best at that is just say, Jeff, how's your heart towards Jesus? How's your affection? What's it like? You know, tell me about what he's showing you and teaching you and how he's leading you and how you're submitting to him. And so it's, it's questions that are very personal in nature about my walk with him. Not just how are you doing? It's how are you and Jesus? That's been really key to have a few people who are close to me that can do that. And then being in a, a missional community, a gospel community, a mission whereby it, it becomes pretty obvious when your, your heart gets hardened or your love grows cold because it shows up in how you relate to people. I mean, it, you, your relationship with everybody else is always a reflection of where, how you relate to the Lord. And, uh, cause the love that we have for others is always an overflow of the love that we are engaging in with him. So I think those three things are really key. The time alone with the Lord, very intentionally inviting him into examine me time with a few that really know me and can see my life very closely and intimately and the time with a little bit larger group that i'm on mission with that can can just point out when they see that yeah jeff your your heart's grown cold we can tell we know the difference we know when you're when you're you're passionately walking with jesus and we know when you're not because it affects all of us and i think most christians unfortunately are probably not including those three key aspects in a lot of their development they might do really well at one of them maybe two but i think you need all three and uh, i think you need to be open then to let people speak to you about it yeah and i think there are people jeff that you bring up a good point i think there are people that um you know, if they're not seeking the Lord, they're they're probably still pretty cool because they're nice people. And then there's then there's the rest of us where if we're not walking with Jesus, we're jerks, man. It's just like I'm by nature a jerk. And so I need Jesus yeah. <laughs> on a regular basis, right. man, where it starts to show. So I am right there with you, man. Um, so, uh, hey, uh, the the book for everyone is Gospel Fluency. Um it's by Crossway. You can pick it up everywhere Christian books are sold, including Amazon.com. Jeff, is there a website for this that they can go to or some way that uh, somewhere you would want to send them? 
to find out. Yeah, you can go to gospelfluency.com and that'll give you more information. We also have a a larger organization that I started called saturatetheworld.com, which not only has resources um, for all the stuff we've done, but specifically we've developed a set of videos that goes along with now a guide that we just created, a Gospel Fluency handbook that's coming out any day. And we created a, a set of videos that accompanies the book and the handbook that people could use in their study. Uh, so and they're very well done. Uh, we had a great team p- produce those. So that there's some it's, it, there's more resources if you'd like them. Okay, well, guys, check those out and check out the book. Um, Jeff, is there any closing comments you would want to give for a church planner just starting out who's heard this and has been moved by it? Um, you've mentioned the importance of walking with Jesus. You've mentioned the importance of having people around you. Is there anything else that you would mention in about 60 seconds or less for a church planner just starting out? Yeah, I would for a church planner especially. This is what I tell church planners all the time. You need to do the work of an evangelist, and uh, what that means is you need to constantly be proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Assuming it's changing you, assuming you're in community that's shaping you, uh, you need to you need to regularly look for opportunities to share Jesus with people. I I prayed whenever I plant a church, I pray God give me a daily door that you open through which I can share the gospel. And I looked for it every single day for the first two or three years of my church planning life. And in some ways, I, I wish I, I was still that intent. The downside of having a larger church is you can lose that edge. And so I need to hear the very same thing I'm saying to you. But I would say to you, you have got to ask the Lord to open doors and you've got to make yourself ready to walk in those doors and pray and, and pray that God gives you the words appropriately to share Jesus to people. And you got to believe that he's put you in a place where he's already preparing people to hear the good news. That, that to me is fundamental to planning a church. If you don't believe that, you have no business planning a church. If you believe that, you know you're just walking into the work that God's already prepared, and you are now going to step into with faith and confidence that not only will he open the door, but the gospel is powerful enough to transform lives. Right on. Right on, man. Well, thanks for coming on. We have one last question we ask every guest when they come on here, and that is, and it, it changes every time. The the opponents are always different, the contenders. But if you and your British counterpart, Steve Timmis, were to get in a physical fist fight, who would win? <laughs> well, that's a, well, Steve would clearly tell you that he is because he's a scrapper from the north in, in England. And uh but he doesn't know me. I'm I'm a bulldog, man. So uh I don't give up. I'd probably come away pretty bloody. Uh <laughs> Because he's a tough dude, uh, but I don't lose. So I think I'd win. All right. I, I'll take it. I'll take it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I like that, that tenaciousness. Your secret weapon is stubbornness and tenacity. That'll work. Every church planner needs that quality. Hey, our guest has been Jeff Vanderstelt. The book has been Gospel Fluency. You can go to saturatetheworld.com and gospelfluency.com and find out more. Thanks for joining us today on Hardcore Church Planning, and Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.